You're listening to the Women's Football Talk podcast. I'm Brad. And I'm Regan. It is Friday. The international break has come and gone. It feels like a lot went down in this last week for a change. If we're going to give an international break, at least have a lot of narrative to give us. I think it definitely did that. You have to bear with us in this episode, I'm afraid. Fortunately, my colleague has not been well all week, and I feel like my voice wants to to give in <laughs> eventually. You know, you just feel it in your throat. It's there. Yeah. But you, you, you're not, like, in pain. Not in pain. Christ, it's not that drastic. <laughs> but you just feel uncomfortable, and your, your throat doesn't... Who wants to give in? I'm, yeah. I'm slowly getting to that stage i'm dreading what's coming because <laughs> oh, the last time that happened i was out of action for at least three weeks yeah and as much as i can carry the youtube channel on my own trying to carry the podcast on you were gonna say weeks, carry the whole platform i was about no. to like <laughs> rain fire <laughs> no i don't do that anymore but um yeah i can't carry anymore <laughs> i used to do it before you joined it yeah, way before I joined. Oh, yeah, that's what we want about. Well, of course you would. You were the only person involved. Exactly. <laughs> I sit down a bit. But, like, anything in particular stand out this week or the week after? Uh, well, obviously, we had the final of the Nations League, the inaugural tournament that took place this week. We had the two semi finals on uh, Friday evening between France and. Germany and Netherlands versus Spain. Um, two good games, actually, the semi-finals, where you could clearly see um, who the better opposition were. Um, yeah, I mean, we have to say, like, being from England, they weren't exactly accessible over here in terms of being able to watch. You had to try to stream somewhere, so it made it a bit difficult to, to watch the full game. I saw the highlights, though, so it's in... Mm enough i think yeah i mean i managed to find one for spain versus the netherlands again it wasn't the best of streams but um it's because i chose england that's why (laughs) (laughs) uh but yeah spain netherlands you could just see the class that spain obviously have uh as world champions and just how well that set of players gel together the netherlands didn't really seem at it they seemed to struggle so much in this one I mean, um, Vivian Miedemar struggled to get into the game at all before she was took off at half-time. And then there's a few other players, I think, throughout the game. I think Lika Martins. Um, th- they just didn't look fully as well-rounded uh, in this one or prepared for it as the Spanish did. Yeah, Viviana Miedemar's story is a weird one in that point that she hasn't played for weeks because supposedly she's been injured and now this morning just before we've come on to record thank god this came out beforehand so well no not thank god for her fortunately she's going to be out for a few weeks she'll need minor surgery it's a knee issue begs the question why she was a called up in the first place and then played the 45 minutes although like it's already come out from the other side that that hasn't had a any effects she would have had the surgery anyway which makes it worse that she was called up actually thinking about it well yeah i mean like it's just so confusing because like you said she hasn't featured for a while for arsenal and for then her to be called up in this international window 
against Spain and obviously then uh, later on against the Germans. You're just thinking, why has Andres Juncker, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, risked her if she hasn't been playing for Arsenal? Like, and it's now come out that she was going to need or is going to need knee surgery. I just don't understand it. Like, they have good forwards available. I mean, they had uh, Romy Lechter on the bench, who, uh, if you follow the Frauna de Vise, you know, is one of the top goal scorers over there at the minute. You got Fina Karma as well um, at FC20 before she heads to Wolfsburg later on this season. Again, another clinical striker who can both easily f- uh, fill Miedemar's boots whilst she's absent. So it's something that I think has left many people perplexed, especially this morning now that the news uh, that she's going to undergo surgery on her knee uh, has since come out. Yeah, it's a, like you said, it's a lot of questions. I and mean, having that just leads to having a worse effect on her, especially when she's come back off of a long injury as well. You want her to be just fit healthy that's first and foremost like Netherlands have enough players to deal with that mm. like the fact that now like you say she just had that ACL injury just came back and now she's going to be missing for however many weeks uh, Jonas said several weeks but that can literally be anything between four to six weeks you're gonna think that, well I mean we can talk about it more when we talk on the WSL in later in this podcast but there's big games coming up for Arsenal and that's going to be like she will be a miss even if she hasn't figured in as much since she came back but just having mm. a player like her the quality we know she can bring brings in a lot of confidence as well to the rest of the squad yeah especially a team that are trying to fight for the leader as well yeah I mean like they've got um two big games this month like you said we'll speak on them in a bit we get in the title race and the rest of the WSL talk, but just having that presence around the pitch missing is going to be a big blow for Jonas Odevel's side. But um, back onto the Nations League now, and obviously it is congratulations to Spain who ended up uh, winning the whole thing in the end. They beat uh, France 2-0 on Wednesday in the final. Because wasn't this just nice for them to win a trophy? And the story be, they won this trophy. Let them yes. celebrate. It's just nice to see that for a change. Exactly. And, and you know, I'm glad they like, properly got in on it as well, because over this whole narrative of the Nations League, I don't think it's the same in the women's side, but we know what it's like with the men's the game in the Nations League. Celebrate this. This is a major tournament, and it's the first one you'll be remembered forever for that. Yeah, it definitely seems like it's been appreciated a lot more and it feels a lot easier to understand on the women's side than the men's side. I don't know why, but I haven't felt as confused as I did when the men's thing first came about. Maybe because it was something so new and like it hadn't been done before in the men's side or in football at all yet. Now, obviously, we've had it for a few years when it comes to the women's game and it, this been its inaugural uh, season of it. It has made it a lot easier to understand. I don't know if it's because in the women's side we enjoy when the quality teams actually play each other a bit more. Because when you see like a Spain play, actually I'll put England, Italy, for example. Like we saw that friendly happen. It was a bit of a whitewash in a way. Mm. Like England comfortable, which very comfortable. You enjoy watching two quality teams playing more. But of course, like in years to come, maybe those levels will even out a bit more. But 
it's one of them things. I think it's just you, as a football fan, you want to see the best teams play each other. Mm, definitely. And I think we definitely got to saw that this past week in both the semi-finals and then the final and the third place game uh, this week in the Nations League. And yeah, definitely uh, good for the Spain uh, contingency of players being able to fully celebrate it, not having the whole story be talked about afterwards like we had with the World Cup victory. Um, and yeah, is this the start of Spain's dominant era of women's football because obviously they had that period in time in the men's football where they won the Euros, the World Cup and then the European Championships again. Could we be about to enter that phase now for Spain? Obviously World Cup winners last year, Nations League winners this year. Uh, They've got the uh, Olympics that they can look forward to in the summer. Then 2025, you've got the European Championships. 2027, you've got the World Cup again. Like, Could we be seeing Spain's era of dominance in women's football that is something we will uh, just have to wait and see whether that happens but you mentioned the Olympics there and a lot of those spots have been pretty much secured now I believe 10 of the 12 spots are yeah. taken so it's just the African nations now that we wait to to see in terms of European spots Germany took that other spot when they beat Netherlands in that third place playoff that was a 2-0 win as well, well, you look at this lineup for the Olympics. I know it, and I guess they somewhat look down on it. Like, it could be from the outside. I personally am always excited about the women's side more than the men's side in terms of Olympic football because men's side Olympic football with youth teams, you don't really care as much. But with the women's teams, it's the stars. It's mm-hmm. exactly what who you want to see at the Olympics. Yeah, it's definitely um, something that seems to be taking a bit more excitement and serious on the women's side than what we get on the men's side. You get to enjoy a lot more. I mean, uh, I'm just thinking back this, to the Tokyo Olympics. So I was just um, the lineup. Like, I've just pulled it back up again. It's, it's stacked. Like, yeah. this is, I, I can't wait for this. France, Spain, Germany, USA, Canada, Brazil, Colombia, New Zealand, Australia, Japan, and then either Nigeria, South Africa, Zambia or Morocco. Yeah, like that's oh, I can't wait for this. It's going to be great. Like in Nigeria you could have uh Asia Ashwala and Co at the you look at uh Zambia you could have the world's most expensive player at the Olympics in Richil Kundananji Morocco you look at the likes of um Rosilla Ryan and Co and how well they did at the African Cup of Nations. South Africa put a good name in for themselves at the World Cup last year. Like So even out of those four yet to qualify from uh, the African c- continent in uh, April, we'll know who those final two spaces will go. It, we're not going to have a weak team realistically at that Olympics. So it's going to be a really good watch. And I think it's going to be hard to predict a winner. I mean, you'd expect it to be Spain because of how they're doing in world football and how much they're dominating. But, I mean, anything can happen. Yeah, I think Spain are the heavy favourites for now. And I would expect them to still be the heavy favourites once it starts. I think I think Germany, they're always a, a weird one. You think that maybe they're not what they were in terms of the highest peak that they could reach. But actually, they still get the results here and there. And then I don't think you can... 
fully rule out like a USA given who is going to be in charge come the Olympics as well in MAs. So despite whatever's happened with them in this week in particular, I still think you have to back them as well. It turns I, I didn't want to name a weak team because I, I, New Zealand, I think, are the only ones you would look at and say this is going to be a challenge. But this is probably good for them to come up against quality opposition. Definitely. I would tend to agree with you that side, that they're probably out the certainly the fully qualified teams, they're probably the weakest at the minute, but in a continent that's still growing the World Cup uh, from the World Cup and they're definitely a footballing nation on the rise, New Zealand. Um I would say that they are probably the weakest of the uh, teams at it so far. But like you say, coming up against the quality that is already there, um can only improve yourselves and you never know, they may throw up a few surprises. I mean, obviously we saw that in the World Cup when they managed to get their first ever win at the tournament, so who knows? Yeah, I think we'll have a word on the USA when we mentioned them, because the Gold Cup is currently ongoing, and yeah, right now, the drama levels are high, because well, like, the USA lost to Mexico this week, and it still wasn't even the most mad thing that happened. It's CONCACAF just somehow delivers CONCACAF storylines that you wouldn't think are possible elsewhere. Like you, like you said, the USA losing 2-0 to Mexico at the start of the week, you're thinking, surely that's the biggest storyline possible. Nope. In step, CONCACAF on how to draw no. t- who goes through to the quarterfinals because the two teams are level with everything. It's that thing. It's always been talked about in major tournaments. If you've seen it, like, oh, they're gonna have to do a draw. It's like it's never gonna happen. The option, the, like, it's so slim. The chances of it happening. Well, it happened here. <laughs> it's just, yeah. If you're Puerto Rico, was it? It was Puerto Rico, wasn't it? Uh, it was. Yeah, Puerto Rico and Costa Rica were the two teams. Yeah, like Puerto Rico. This would have been a massive opportunity for them if they got to the quarterfinals. But you feel for them like massively. Yeah, it, it's one of them. You like, it's you don't like, like you said. You've heard about it saying, "Oh, this is what it could come down to," or they could be forced to have like a playoff match against each other, or something like that. And you're like, this never happens, and it never has happened because one thing or another has uh, led for it to go at one team's way, but for it actually to come down to a physical draw to take place, I was just left so shocked when that happened i was like i i'm not prepared for this at all <laughs> I, I wouldn't want to be the one drawing the balls if i'm honest i wouldn't want to be mm. in the room like <laughs> drawing the balls i, I yeah. just wouldn't want that power it's it's like the old um thing in the super bowl like um to take it to american football for a second the coin toss like in overtime like who gets the ball first that's how big of a thing it is it's like a whole country's future in this uh, this cold cup sense uh is at stake here as to who progresses through and unfortunately for puerto rico it was uh costa rica's name who got drawn out yeah i was gonna say if you're gonna use the super bowl analogy of the coin toss you wouldn't want to be the san francisco 49ers in that case they're no. 
idiotic decision <laughs> I thought at the time when they did that. But sticking back or going back to the USA, they are in the quarterfinals. They won their first two group games fairly comfortably. But then they were shocked in their last game against Mexico. The first team to ever beat the US on American soil. That's a CONCACAF team, that is. It in twenty four years. That was a big shock when I saw that uh, after that result. I was like, it wasn't even like, oh, they've just snatched it. They comfortably beat them. Oh, they absolutely battered them. Like they were so so much better uh, compared to the USA. And you saw, or I know I certainly saw people's reaction to it uh, from the United States afterwards, talking about how poor they were compared to how good Mexico looked like. It just seemed uh, a golfing class, the difference between the two sides. Yeah, and so easily, like, all their momentum and hype is there after those first two wins. It's like, okay, something is happening here. We're coming back. The team looks very good. And then this game happens, and it's just back to square one where a lot of there's just a lot of unsureness about it all now. Like, you worry for them mm. Their next, who they're now playing the quarterfinals is Colombia, who are seemingly on the rise and they've looked pretty good. Yeah, and then they could potentially face uh, Canada should they get through to the semi-finals because that's how the uh, draw was done, that they would face the winner of uh, Canada-Costa Rica in the semi-finals should they beat Colombia. So it's not going to be an easy uh, route for the US and yeah, looking ahead to the quarterfinals, it is going to be a hard uh, result for them to uh, do. Looking ahead to the quarterfinals of the Gold Cup, uh, they will be taking place early hours of uh, Sunday morning for us in, and then uh, two games on Sunday evening for European and UK viewers. And obviously, it's a lot better for obviously those in the CONCACAF. So, uh, Canada-Costa Rica is the first game. Then you've got Brazil versus Argentina. Mexico, Paraguay, and the United States versus Colombia are the quarterfinals uh, that take place this weekend. Uh, so some interesting games to keep an eye on, uh, despite the return of club football. Yeah, and the last thing I wanted to mention about the Gold Cup was that second Mexico goal against the USA. That was a lovely finish from Myra Palayo. It was the, the finish is great. But everything beforehand is just as good as well. The whole build-up. Yeah, that quick was throw, one of the best. Long ball over the top. Glorious. Yeah, absolutely fantastic uh, finish. And uh, rounded off a perfect uh, game for Mexico, that did. So we'll be chatting about what there is to look forward to this weekend in just a bit. But first, before we kind of bring back a bit more fashion chat, because on the podcast, because NWSL kits launched this week with a couple of good ones and some that, that just ain't it at all for me. You know what? We should think about it now. <laughs> what we should have done? Tier list. Oh gosh, <laughs> that's what needed to be done with some of these kits. But we'll just start by picking out a few favourites. Do you want to start? Uh. For me, I like the Utah Royals away kit, that blue. I really, really like that. Um, that's one of my favourites. Um, 
Seattle Rain, again, I think they're dark blue and gold colours, uh, which is their home kit for this season. I think that's really nice. And I'm, a bit of bias to here, I am going to throw the Washington Spirits uh, home kit as well. <laughs> Basically, I like a lot of black kits or dark coloured kits this season. I was going to say you went for two blue and then a black kit. Although Washington Spirit in recent years, I know they've gone for more like all out black, whereas this one has got a bit of a pattern on it. I The only thing I want to say with these NWSL kits, and it's, it's not an NWSL problem, it's a Nike problem because I hate them. I just hate Nike. They, they're just, their whole ideology to kits is how basic can we make this? Yeah, a lot of them you are thinking like, just give us a bit more, give me some life into it. Like the Bay of Sea kit. It's a body. <laughs> That's what I want. Mm. Like some of the kits have bland. personality to, I, I, to it. As someone who doesn't mind a bit of blandness now and again, these not in my football kits. Mm. There's uh, a couple of kits definitely that don't adhere to the blandness and that is San Diego Waves home kit because my gosh is that an eyesore definitely the home shirt yep and then right. you got I mean, we know uh, which one we're on about it's the one with the bold, the very bold orange pink like turquoise pattern on it now at first thought I thought actually yeah I'm with you on this but you know what I've come around a bit I mean I don't know how because to me, it, it, if it was a training top, I'd be like, you know what, that's actually quite nice. I would not wear it, but it's a nice training top. But the fact that that's going to be your primary kit caller throughout this season is very, very worrying for me because it's a bit of an eyesore. I don't know. You know, it's a bit like, I, I what difference. This is certainly different. But I actually think when they wear it on field, it will look all right. I'm thinking, like, the whole idea of it is when it's played in, like, the sun. It's San Diego. It's Hoss in there. So this matches that. So I, I don't mind it. I think it, I wouldn't wear it. It's not for me. It's a bit out of there for, for my style. But I certainly don't think it's as bad as you would make, it, would make out. My personal one that I, I can't take is... Um, I'm afraid the Portland Thorns new bold like red and it's I guess sort of yellowy as well. I can't I can't hang yeah. with that, I'm afraid. Such a downgrade from Portland man. How have they downgraded that bad? I think there's a reason like they've usually... done it, but I I, I I could get it from that aspect, but it's other than that, I, I can't get beyond it. It's not for me. The away though on the other hand. Awake it I like. But the, for me, the home kit is just, it's considering in the past you've seen the black and the hints of red. I think it's because I really like that. That's why I'm a bit mm. like, oh, I don't like this. Yeah, but this, it just feels like it's gone away from Portland in that sense. Like for the past couple of years, I've been used to seeing preliminary, pri, primarily black kits with uh, red accents onto it where this is a primarily red kit with other colours on it, and I'm just like, this doesn't feel right. Yeah, but I've just reminded myself, like, going through the wall, actually there's one that's way worse and offends me even more, and it's Orlando Pride's orange kit. Yeah, that 
I just what? came across it again. What is it? <laughs> again, it is an eyesore. The situation they're calling it is <laughs> like, no, absolutely not. It's a load of oranges on a kit. That's a hard no. It's horrendous. Like, I, 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 what the hell is it? I genuinely don't know how to describe that kit apart from orange and peach or is that tangerine <laughs> it might be a tangerine i think i keep saying it's an orange pizza i think it's i believe it's tangerine it's just weird just playing weird it must be a florida thing but it's not for me again no not good don't want to see fruit on your kits yeah also kit that i'm kind of undecided on is the north carolina courage kit the blue with the shapes on it it kind of reminds me of a i like UK that actually. that's what i mean that's what i mean if you're gonna go different if you have it's dead that's it that's fine by me mm. but uh, uh, there's something about that design on the kit it just got it screams to me uh the seats on a british bus because you know as they have them weird patterns on it <laughs> i don't know why why is it i feel like you say this in most like blue and red kits you know but the awake are like the two-toned pink and red but that home kit i don't know it just reminds me of a boss see but i still like it though and uh yeah right because we're stalling a bit of some of these and i want one team home and or well, primary and secondary as it is for America, which club, both kits, <sighs> the best. I'm going to say best home kit or primary kit. I'm going to is... tie. I'm in a bit of a tie. I think Seattle take it for me. Ooh, see, they weren't actually in my options, but they are. They are a good choice. Uh, it's close. It's so close. Now, Seattle's is slightly too plain for me it's between houston and gotham because i like the gotham black with the sash i i actually really like that i don't know if it's just how it looked when i first saw that image but the sash doesn't look straight i believe it's just the image if i'm honest no but i mean the diagonal doesn't look like a straight diagonal but that is just the image of being out of the kit it looks it, really the kit's worn on the mud the model I'm not going to judge that, but I I like it. And the way it's cold. Mm. Yes. Uh, best away kit or secondary kit. It's either between Racing Louisville or, and this is going to shock you, but not me. The Washington spirit is growing on me. Oh, here we go. You're supposed to not be biased. Here, but you... the, no, no, no. Don't see them. I don't picture yellow with Washington. I'd buy the boldness to go different, but no, nah, it's not doing it for me. All yellow kits like that, you've got to have some sort of pattern on it, not just be this plain, basic yellow. Uh, it looks really nice on. Like, I've definitely grown into liking it. Yeah, I'm going to go with Washington. I'm showing my NWSL bias to for them as my favourite away kit then. I've realised in all this, I haven't talked about Bay FC, who I'm claiming as my club now in the NWSL. Simple. Kept it nice and simple. I like that they've done the badge in orange on what I believe is the secondary kit. 
the black or the grey. Yeah, I think it's one of them. Some of the NWSL kits, like we said, they look good and it's a bit of, okay, I do like what you're doing here, Nike. But at the other time as well, I'm just thinking, Nike, just be a bit more flamboyant. Give me something more interesting to look at. Yeah. Do you know there's a, that actually raises a good point? Because this is definitely an American thing. I, like the best thing about kit launches is it's that different brands come together and every team looks different on the pitch. Whereas American sports, you've got one spot, one supplier for everybody. And it kind of gets the only one that may I accept it for is the MLS because it's Adidas and Adidas are class every single time. No, even there, I have a bit of a problem with I. I just want teams to show their own individual personality. Oh, don't get me wrong. Yeah, I'd prefer that all day long. But like Adidas are better than Nike. At least Adidas try and be different with designs. Mm. Some are better than others, I will admit. Like this season, they they were amazing. Oh, yeah. The LAFC kit in particular, gorgeous. Can't go wrong with black and gold ever. Mm. MLS kits this season, oof, very fire. I think there's a lot of uh, good ones. The WSL obviously returns on Saturday, but the standout game for me this weekend, at least, is on Sunday. It is the North London derby taking place at the Emirates Stadium, and this time, revenge is on Arsenal's minds after the last encounter at the Tottenham Stadium last time out when they beat them by a goal to nil. Arsenal need the win here. Yeah, um, definitely. I mean, Martha Thomas getting that goal um, last time out of the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and I remember it was one of Barbara Votikova's first games uh, in goal for Tottenham and she looked absolutely incredible and she really hasn't looked back since so the other side of our side will definitely be hoping to get their revenge um, this week in what is expected to be a sellout I mean I think he said this morning there was less than 200 tickets left for the game Yes, yeah, so I think they again. You said that they're going to get close to a, a sellout. Whether it's more than the last one, we will find out. I'm sure, but I think Arsenal with this one are definitely not heavy favourites to win. Like Tottenham are a mixed bag at the moment. It's a bit weird that they they still have the odd performance here and there, but then there's also it. Yeah, then defensively, it's not been great for them at the moment. Yeah, very hit and miss team. It's like you're thinking what Tottenham are going to show up today in um, the league because you never know. And, I mean, the recent games against Arsenal, they've definitely shown up. I mean, um, the two that we've seen earlier on this season, obviously getting that victory in the league and then um, you had that enthralling 3-3 game in the uh, Conti Cup a couple of days before that one. Um <clears throat> But obviously, primarily, it has been Arsenal's fixture. Obviously, that game against them earlier on in the season was their first loss uh, to Tottenham. So, uh, definitely, Arsenal want to get the victory here. And again, I said it earlier on in the podcast, they're not out of the title race yet. They can still win this uh, WSL title. It is obviously harder for them because them being uh, three points behind Chelsea and Manchester City, well... They can't afford to be dropping any more points in that sense because 
them two sides are just too good for uh, Arsenal to be hoping that they drop more. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree on them saying that it's, they're not completely out of it. I think it's more fair to say that they're an outside bet to win the title right now. Interestingly, no women's team has ever actually won the WSL title in a season where they've lost three games. So Arsenal have managed to get the important wins against both Man City and Chelsea and the most recent win as well against Manchester United. It has kept them close, but it's results elsewhere against teams much lower than them where they've been costed a little bit. Okay, this uh, first meeting between the two sides in the league back in December. I mean, you can't be losing games to Tottenham and be hoping to win the WSL title. It's just something that you can't be doing. And again, this weekend is the same for that. You can't have uh, a defeat or even a draw because I think then, unless Chelsea and Man City also drop points this weekend, it's going to be hard and I know it seems like I'm bouncing around every other week with how this title race is going on which that's a good thing but it's changing on an ever-present basis but at the same time for Arsenal you're thinking how many more points can you actually drop Hmm. I'd wonder if they lose this one maybe that would be given who Manchester City and Chelsea face as opposition this weekend. Man City play 12 o'clock on Saturday in the opening game of the weekend against Everton at home. And then then Leicester-Chelsea is the last game at 6 o'clock on Sunday. And obviously Chelsea have that good record against Leicester. Um, In the WSL, despite that first meeting between the two sides, been a, a very close game for bits of it but then obviously Chelsea running out 5-2 uh, victors in the end so the least we can expect is Chelsea to <laughs> go in and again get the win there I'd be interested to see the squad they or how they set up for this one would we expect to see Lauren James up front maybe for this one well yeah because obviously they've got the injury to um, Mia Fischel for her ACL Um because that happened just before the Gold Cup started and just after our last podcast. Um, she was on camp with the United States ahead of the Gold Cup and then she tore her ACL. So um, even more injury worries for Chelsea up front. Obviously, Sam Kerr already being a long-term absentee. So yeah, you'd expect a forward line of probably Myra Ramirez, uh, Lauren James and then... Do they go with three up top or do they just stick with them two? I'm not too sure. I wouldn't be surprised if it was the same, like four two three one that we've seen in most games. Like that three then in attack. I'm trying to remember who the right winger was. Maybe they go with Wrighton Canarid for this one. And then James, Wrighton, Ramirez. Because I've just remembered as well, Frank Kirby probably will miss out after she pulled out a the England squad before the international break had started as well, so she might miss this game, which I guess makes the team selection a bit more easy for Chelsea. Maybe Aggie Beaver-Jones gets a chance. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm just looking at the lineup from the last game against um, Man City. They did a 4-4-2 with Ramirez and James up top. This is according to one football how they had him set up. And then they had the midfield four of Wright and Cuthbert, Lopez and Kirby. But obviously with Kirby's injury, I would expect 
uh, writing Canary to come straight in if they were to go with that same formation. But I think she would even come in if they go to like a four-two-three-one style and then have like Ramirez playing as the main forward, James writing and Canarit as the three. Or even if they did wing backs, for instance, because she tends to be on the right side if they do that. And then you have Neve Charles out on the left. Yeah. So the versatility options for Emma Hayes, despite having a few injured forward players, is still uh, available for her. It's true. Uh, Man City, I wanted to add, their momentum is with them at the moment after the recent result. They beat Chelsea, obviously. I asked this question in an article that I'd done on, over on our Substack. You go read that at womensfootballtalk.substack.com. Does beating Chelsea make them the favourites now? I think that's such such a hard one to think of. Like, because you look at Chelsea, like there's nothing really going wrong for them. Uh, I mean, that last defeat to Manchester City was a bit of a blip in the road, and they're still technically the team to beat as they're top of the table uh, mathematically, and they are still uh, the team to beat in the WSL. But how defensively solid Man City have looked, it is hard to look past them as title favourites. I mean. This past week, we saw Kiara Keaton pick up the player of the month, Gareth Taylor pick up the manager of the month. So everything is going in the right direction for Manchester City. It's now just about finishing off the job. Yeah, and it's interesting as well with Manchester City because it was around almost a similar point last season. They were in the top three, sort of in a title race. I think I remember the, all four of them, were, the top four were pretty much in it. It was that close. But then Man City ended the season with three defeats in their last six. And goal difference ended up being a deciding factor in all of that. So they have to avoid a similar fate happening again this time around. Because they do that again, you can roll it out for them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, realistically, they've got two big games in which... um goal difference or results are going to be a concern for them for the rest of the season and that's the Manchester derby later on this month and then Arsenal on the penultimate weekend of the season so those are the two key ones for Manchester City you would say the rest of the games for them are all winnable and with how they're playing at the minute um, everything should be continuing to fire their way and keep them right up there um, but yeah, I think it, it's you can't look past them in terms of being title favourites. But at the same time, you like well, Chelsea are still Chelsea, so it's going to be one that I think will come right down to the wire. Yeah, there's definitely a chance that could happen. I'm going to run through the WSL fixtures in full again this time. So Manchester City against Everton is twelve o'clock on Saturday, and then Sunday's games. Arsenal versus Tottenham is half 12. Aston Villa versus Liverpool is at 2 o'clock. Bristol City versus Brighton is also at 2 o'clock. That's a pretty huge fixture in terms of the relegation battle as well. We should probably have a word on that. Yeah, I mean, um, Bristol City need to be picking up the results um, now because they can't be dropping any more points, especially if they lose this one. I think that would relegate them, um, I think even regardless of how results go elsewhere because they're currently five points behind 
Brighton and West Ham. And if they were to fall even further behind Brighton, I think you can say uh, that Lauren Smith's side will be going uh, down. And um, obviously with Brighton, there was the talk we had on the podcast before whether Poppy Patterson's stamp uh, would get banned from the FA and uh, they did come out with uh, a three-match ban for her. So uh, she's going to be a big blow for them. But yeah, relegation uh, fight between these two going to be a very close game. They played each other only back in January for the first time. Um, that was that 3-2 game where Elizabeth Turland uh, had an absolute masterclass scoring twice and getting the assist and then uh, Bristol City did show a bit of fight but weren't able to hold on. Yeah, and then there's the other two fixtures. West Ham versus Manchester United is at 3 o'clock. Is there a shock potentially on the cards if West Ham are really on it? Definitely potential for it to be. I mean, um, it's going to be interesting to see how Man United uh, bounce back from their defeat to Arsenal. But the last time these two sides met, United obviously ended up winning comfortably, winning um, 5-0 back in November. Uh, But West Ham definitely look much better than what they did back then. So uh, an upset could be on the cards, but be very interesting to see how Mark Skinner has the team play in this week and how they can bounce back after that uh, poor poor game against Arsenal before the international break. If I'm Mark Skinner, I'm looking at this game in particular, I'm thinking we need to send a message. We need to put down a statement of intent here that it's not over. Like, <laughs> But, you know, if they lose this, I think his job just comes further into disrepute. Yeah, I mean, they've got such a hard rest of the season um, after this. So excluding next weekend where it's FA Cup weekend, they play Bristol City uh, midway through this month. So obviously that should be a winnable game on cards. Then you look at the rest of the fixtures. Manchester City away, Everton at home, Spurs at home, Leicester away who they've made difficult for Man United over the past couple of years, Liverpool away, and then they finish the season at Chelsea. Like, if they're trying to have any slim chance of potentially getting Champions League, they can't be losing many games for the rest of the season. Otherwise, like you say, I think that would be it for Mark Skinner. Yeah, I mean, in a way, I almost feel like it's must. Did you have to change the manager at the end of the season anyway? Just for... Just because they re- feels like next season is going to be a whole new era for that club entirely, just change it all. Just do it, go for something different. But other than that, maybe. But you know, it should win this one, as we said. The other last, the final game of the weekend in the WSL, as we said, Leicester City play Chelsea. That's a six o'clock kickoff. And other than that, I don't think there's much else to to cover on this podcast and if you can think of something right now no uh, I believe that is everything um, we'll be back next week to recap uh, all the action in the WSL hopefully we're feeling better uh, than we are at the minute uh, but in the meantime make sure you like and uh, rate us wherever you get your podcasts from uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter at WF Talks and on Instagram, Women's Football Talk, for all the latest news and stories from around the world of women's football there. And 
make sure, like you mentioned earlier, you're following our website, um, womensfootballtalk.substack.com, for all the latest articles there. Yes, and also on YouTube, we're taking the slight mini break, but there's still videos on there that you can enjoy as well over on our, our YouTube channel. Until then, both of us will see you next week.